Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 14. I'm going to be reading from the message translation today. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 14. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right-living, right-giving ways never run out, never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into fully formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really towards everyone. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we are grateful for who you are, for your word, for your truth. And, Lord, we just pray that you would meet us here and that you would speak truth to each of our hearts today. Lord, whatever it is you're calling and guiding us to hear, Lord, may it be true for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Most people want to be generous. If, uh, if I was to ask you, do you want to be generous or not, you'd say, of course I want to be a generous person. And in fact, probably most of the people that we respect or admire are people who are generous in nature. They're giving of themselves, they're, um, they're, they're kind, they always make room and space for other people. I mean, it, we want to become a generous person. And so kids, I'm going to invite you in box one. If, uh, if you would just draw someone who you think is generous, who is that person that you look up to and you think are, is generous in that way? Now, as I, as I think about people... I am really not too distracted half the time. There's, uh... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh. All right, so where was I? I don't know. Um, babies can cry, that's fine. But that little noise, I was like, 
is an alien coming down, you know? I was like, Buzz was here last week. Did I leave him around? Oh, it happens. That's fine. We're, we're all good. Um, so a generous person. We want to see generous people. We want to be around generous people. But we live in a stingy world. Now, my definition of a generous person is this. A generous person is someone who trusts God with their future and is thus able to give freely in the present. We, we, we get a sense that we know that God has what is ahead of us so that we can take what God has given us now and we can share and we can be abundant with it. Now, I'm always mindful as a pastor um, that there might be people who are visiting our church or, or people who haven't been here in a while or just people who are suspicious of the church and you're thinking, golly, I came to church, I watched online and they're talking about money. Now, I want to be clear is that we don't talk about money all the time here, um, but we do talk about it and we talk about it for a few reasons. One is the Bible addresses it many, 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 many times. And because we believe that the Bible matters here, we are people who are shaped and formed by his word, and we preach and we teach what is true and according to that. And Jesus talked a lot about it as well. And what Jesus points out is that often our relationship with God um, can be interfered with our relationship with money. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I think that we see this truth that Jesus said over 2,000 years ago is still true today, and that our world is, is really enticing us to say that money is the answer. And that your relationship to money is often one of the most important things to you. Whether you have more than enough or not enough. What you do with it and how you relate to it. It's one of the common cause of fights with couples. All right? Our relationship with money is key. Now, I want to be clear that I, what I'm most interested in is not your money for this church. But in who you become. That you and I become generous people who who give not just our financial resources in an offering plate, but we give of ourselves in so many ways. Now, there are some barriers that I think that we have towards money. And so as a staff, we were talking about um, this this week in our staff meeting. What are some of the barriers to generosity? And, and I sort of lumped them into three big categories. In one, there are trust issues, that we have some trust issues as it relates to money. For some of us, it may be priority issues. And then I think for some of us, it is math issues. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Aaron, you just said math, and I'm out. Like, I don't want to hear anymore. You know, don't bring an equation in here. You know, no, it's just, it's just basic sort of math issues we're not going to do. You don't have to do any long division today, okay? Because what we see with math issues and I believe I heard Dave Ramsey said it, is that too often there is too much month left at the end of the money. And that we have people and a society that lives that way. Now, as I was doing some research um, about, our, about our country and about where we are at financially, 40 to 70% of people in America live paycheck to paycheck. 
which means if they lost a job or if their income drastically changed, then they would instantly have to go into even more debt um, or they would be unable to afford things. We are barely, barely getting by. And it's not just those who, whose incomes are less than 50000 or or whatever the case may be. In fact, a full third of the people who, who have around $200,000 a year still live paycheck to paycheck. 30% of people have more in credit card debt than they do savings. And so why do sometimes we struggle to give? It's because when we look at our budget, if we have one, we don't see that it adds up, is that we have math issues. And we live in a, a, a world that has been structured and systematized so that we live in debt to it. And so some of the things that have happened are really not our fault. Maybe you had a medical situation that happened a few years ago, and all the medical bills added up and added up and added up, and you've done everything that you can do, but you don't ever seem to pay it off. Maybe you're in a situation in which um, you're, you're paying off some student loan debts, and they said, if you want to do it, you have to go to college, and you have to go to this college, and you have to get in debt. And it's not uncommon for people to find themselves in tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars and then starting an entry-level position. In fact, we see that with some of our clergy. That's one reason why we started that Christian Vocation Scholarship Fund, because we don't want people who are feeling the call from God to let math issues get in the way of God's call. We want to help out, and we want to support with that. And so what our scripture tells us is this, that in Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And so many of us in this world are living as slaves. We are living as slaves as we are greatly in debt. And then what happens is, is we get a raise, we get a new job, we make more money, and we find the same problems, and sometimes even more. As the notorious B.I.G. and Puff Daddy once said, mo' money, mo' problems. The mo' money you come across, the mo' problems you see. You, sometimes we think that more money is just the answer, but young Aaron learned differently from rap songs. They tell you nothing good happens from rap songs, but that's not true. So what do you do? And maybe there's some of you who are sitting out there or watching this and, and you're thinking, Aaron, I've got math issues. I don't want you to know my math issues. If you knew how much debt I was in, I'd be embarrassed. And I think that's one of the problems with finances is they become such an area of shame. And we're in no shame place around here, right? And so if, this is, if math issues are your issues, um, then what do you do? Here's what I know is it's not going to go away on its own. You can't ignore it. And boom, it's magically going to get better. All right? What we have to do is to be intentional. Now, here's what I want to tell you if, if, if you have some math issues, because what we know is that eight in 10 people who give to the church have zero credit card debt. So most of the generosity comes from people who do not have that credit card debt. All right, it's people whose math issues, which for me, I think is one of the primary issues that we're dealing with in the church today, is that we've let the world tell us how to spend our money instead of God tell us how to spend our money. And we find ourselves behind the eight ball. And so that's why, uh, I mean, there's some different things that we can do. Um, but here's what I want you to do. The first thing that I would say is that you need to give something. You may not be able to give much. You may not be able to give a lot. But you need to give something because you need to actively tell yourself that this is who I want to become. 
And that one of the ways that we can be generous is that we can practice it. Now, that may be $5, that may be $20, that may be $50. I don't know what it is for you, but start somewhere, give something. Now, the second thing is, again, you're not going to magically get out of it. There's no magic math that gets you out of debt. You're going to need to make a plan. You're going to need to work a plan so that you can get on the other side. Um, so my wife Heather and I, we've done Financial Peace University a couple of different times. I know we've taught that here. We're looking at teaching it um, again in the future. Um, that there's different systems that can help you to get out of that. If you need some help, um, then you can message me and we'll find you the help that you need. There are people who can help you with the math and the plan. If that's not your thing, that's okay. Um, but you need a plan in order to get out. So those math issues that some of us have. Now, there are, are some of us who experience what I would say are priority issues. The math lines up. We can afford it, but we don't prioritize giving. Now, what Jesus says is this, is for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is it that you treasure? What is it that captures your heart? Um, and so, kids, I'm going to invite you in box two. Draw something or draw some things that you treasure. Now, when I was a, it's interesting what we treasure and what we value, right? Now, when I was a, a kid, I collected sports cards. Um, I, I have a, a Joe Montana rookie card. That's the pinnacle of my, um, my collection. I'm a big 49ers fan, and so that's my favorite card that I have. But I collected those, and that is what I treasured. I, I treasured it in, so may, in, so, in such a way that whenever there was a tornado warning and we needed to go down to our neighbor's house for the shelter, I would grab the cards that were of the most value because I didn't want to lose those. And now those cards in which I treasure are in the attic somewhere, gathering dust, being baked in the Oklahoma summers, right? It's interesting what we treasure sometimes and how we treasure things. Now, what pastors have said for a long time and people have said for a long time is this, is if you show me your bank statements, I'll show you what you treasure. If you show me your bank statements, I will show you what you treasure. I'm not asking you, all right, but I'm just telling you, all right, that this is what we believe. And there's some good things you all treasure. There's some wonderful things that we treasure, all right? But we need to prioritize being generous and giving to God. And it's not just about our time, but, but Christians have been less and less generous over time. I found a stat that said Christians are giving at 2.5% of their income, and this was before the pandemic. Um, and Christians during the Great Depression were giving at 3.3% of their income. You see, it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And so often we give God our leftovers instead of our best. Um, scripture tells us to give our first fruits. This was a, a, a culture that was, that was their primary way of giving was, was through what they produced to give the first fruits. But so many of us give just what's left over. How many of us, uh, if I was to look at your bank statements, would I see that, that you seem to prioritize Amazon more than you do God? Now, don't you nudge your spouse, all right? All right. Because how many of you prioritize chasing a little white golf ball that you don't hit that well anyways, more than you prioritize Jesus? How many of you prioritize that new fancy car and then that newer fancy car more than you do Jesus? You see, there's something for all of us in the midst of it. And it's not that God doesn't want us to have good things. It's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy life. He, I think he wants us to enjoy life. 
But so often we have become consumed with the race for happiness that we forget the true meaning of living lives joyfully. Don Draper, who was a character on the TV show Mad Men, he said it this way as an advertising executive, what is happiness? It's a moment before you need more happiness. And what the world has told us time and time again is if you just get this, you'll be happy. If you just get this, you'll be happy. If you just get this, you'll be happy. And so you get this and you realize it doesn't fulfill you. So you chase the next thing and you chase the next thing and you chase the next thing. And we have prioritized happiness over joyfulness. We have prioritized feeling what we want instead of living a joyful life. We have struck out on discipline and instead chosen pleasure each and every day. And so often it's amazing when I look at our own bank statements that, um, you know, I think about how much did we spend on going out to eat instead of sitting at the table as a family. We prioritize that family meal, but sometimes the convenience of a drive through means is what we end up prioritizing at the end of the day. And I think that this is what we do as people. All right. We need good gifts that make us happy, but we need God who gives us joy. And so kids in box three, I'm going to invite you to, um, what is a gift that you have received that made you happy? And what I've seen as a dad is that I, we, our children get gifts. People are generous to them. Sometimes it's even us, right? And, and what happens is they get a toy, they play with it for a little while, and then they put it to the side. And then they don't care about it until we say, we're going to get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, it's their favorite toy in the world, right? And we do the same thing as adults. We get something, we say, I've got to have this to be happy. And then what happens, we put it to the side, and the messaging we get from the world says, oh, no, you need this. 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 And I'm not here to tell you what you need or what you don't need. That's not my job, all right? But I am going to invite you to look at it and see what it is that you prioritize. And do you prioritize being generous and being somebody who is giving to the church and to other places and to God most of all? As I was mentioning, there are some things that you may need. So I went on a, I went on a trip and I ended up with a, um, a rental car that was not what I asked for, but it was better than what I asked for. It's like this like Escalade. Um, and it was really cool because it had... Um, those seats that cool you in the back. Have you ever driven in one of those things? Now, I'm somebody who sometimes when I, I drive in a car and then my back is, gets a little sweaty because I've been in the hot Oklahoma sun, no matter how cool the air conditioner is, my back still gets hot. So if I was driving and I was going to Oklahoma City and I had to step out of my car and like be ready to work and be ready to go, I would see that investment in that back cooler thing being maybe worth it. But because I have a four-minute commute, I don't need that. I don't know what's good for you and what's not. That's not my job. But my job is to help you all ask those questions. So if you have some priority issues, then I'm going to ask you this. One is I want you to give first. Make it be a priority. The first check you write, you make it come out automatically. Um, you, you set up a reoccurring gift um, online. It becomes part of the normal standard you give first. And then I'm going to invite you to pay attention to what and how you spend your money. What are you doing? Look at it, see, and say, you know what? If somebody else looked at this, what would they say I prioritized? 
And is that truly what I want to prioritize? And how are we going to live in that way? Now, there are some of us who have trust issues. We don't trust God. We don't trust the church. We don't trust other people. And this happens. And sometimes there's an arrogance to it that says, I know better, including God, how to spend my money. Now, the first problem with that is that it's not your money. Now, I'm not saying that. The Bible is clear about that. That one of the words we talk about in the church, about giving and generosity, we use the word stewardship, that we are stewards of what God has given to us. It's not about what's mine. It's about what has God given to us so that we can share it with others. Our scripture today says it this way, the most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into fully formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. And so here we receive from God and he invites us to be stewards, to be managers and to be sharers of what he has. It's not about what I've earned or what I feel like I deserve. It's about being somebody that says, God, you've given this to me and my perspective and my heart says, not mine, but yours. And it's a whole lot easier to share when it doesn't necessarily belong to you. And so what God gives us to us, and he says, I want you to trust me. And one of the primary ways that God enables us to trust him is through our finances. It's a tangible way for us to live out our trust and to live out our faith in God. It's to say, Lord, I believe you, and I'm going to trust you with my future by giving my resources of today. This is not what we want from you, but it's what we want for you. Because the generous people I know are people who are free and who have an abundant life that's filled with trust of God. Now, in the church, we often talk about the tithe. Now, the tithe represents 10% of your income, and it's a proportional way of giving, which, which has been sort of a standard, both Old Testament and New Testament, and all the way through the early church and all the way up until day. It's a standard of giving that reminds ourselves that we don't need 100%, but that we can live on 90 and what God says in Malachi 3, verse 10, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's one of the only times in Scripture, if not the only time, where God says, test me in this. Give, and I'll take care of you. And what I've seen time and time again is that the people who give, God takes care of them. The people who are generous, God takes care of them. When I'm faithful with a little bit, God takes care of us and he takes care of me. It doesn't mean I'm going to win the lottery next week because I gave my 10% today. God's blessings are so abundant and happen in so many ways, but God is going to be good to us. And so kids in box four, I invite you to draw God being generous to you. What does that look like? And so if we're generous people who trust God and who trust that his purposes are greater and that together we can do more than any individual can do by ourselves, then good things will happen. So if you have trust issues, what I'm going to invite is that you give a percentage of your income. Now, some of you are, are, are maybe not able to give 
Um, that's okay. Start somewhere. Think percentage-wise, not just amount-wise. All right? What is it that God wants me to do? All right? And to give percentages. Now, maybe some of you who are being tithing, maybe God's saying more, and that happens. In fact, um, 77% of those who, who tithe actually give between 11 to 20% of their income. What we see is that people who practice tithing, then their understanding and their relationship with money fundamentally changes, and they realize they don't need more, but they can give more. And what we have to believe is that the seeds that are planted through our generosity will flourish and will grow and will blossom even in ways that we may not be able to see or understand. Later on um, this summer, um, we're going to have an opportunity to have a, a young man who's going to be preaching, us, preaching for us one Sunday named Jameson Reynolds. Now, some of you know Jameson because um, you've been here in this church for a long time, and Karen, um, who's our program minister, she's worked here for almost 30 years, and this is her son. Now, he um, grew up here, literally. He spent many evenings and days um, here in the building. Allegedly, he also climbed on top of the roof um, during some of those meetings as well. This church invested in him as they've invested in others. Now, what, what you probably don't know is that Jameson went on to go be a worship leader, um, and now he's the worship leader at Battle Creek Church in Tulsa. Now, when I heard he was the worship leader at Battle Creek, I knew that was something. That's probably one of the five largest churches in Tulsa. And it started here, in this place, with these people, and we invested in it. We invested in our children's ministry and our student ministries. And we don't always get to see it, but we have to trust that God is flourishing and growing something. As Braden mentioned, we have 17 seniors, and, um, and we've had an opportunity to pour in their lives. Now, some of it you've never seen, and that's okay. Some of it happens at day spring camp, and, and they get a chance to get away from everything this world tells them and just sit and listen to the Word of God. And they may not come into this sanctuary very often, but they know the love and support that we have for them. And they may or may not come to church here in the future. They may or may not give to this church faithfully, but they are certainly going to go because of the seeds that we have planted and that those will flourish. This is what we trust and believe. And this is what we hope for. So what we believe as a people of God is that giving changes us, it changes our church, and it changes the community. That's what this win-win-win series is all about, is that there are these practices that are good for us, that are good for our church, and they're good for other people. So why is it good for you? Simply, it helps you to become the generous person that God wants you to become. You reap what you sow. If you reap lavishly, you will sow lavishly. If you trust God with much, you will receive much. And it's not always about receiving money but it's about receiving Jesus, about receiving hope, about knowing love and being in his presence. It's good for the church. You know, one of the things that happened a year ago was I was very worried about our finances because I had never seen a church go through a global pandemic before. And I didn't know what that was going to mean. But one of the things that, that you all did is you all were generous. People sent in their checks. They gave online. They continued to be faithful. And that was such an encouragement to me because what it told me was that we believe that church, even when we can't gather, still matters and that people need the hope that we have. 
And so one of the things that we did as a, as a church is we invested in our online technology um, and we invested in our live streaming ability because we believe that that investment would plant seeds. And so this is the first Sunday um, in over a month that nobody that I've met um, in the sanctuary has come to me and said, Aaron, we've been watching you online for a while. Every Sunday for the past month, we had people that came in that have been watching us. And maybe there's some of you who are watching now and you're like, hey, we'd love to see you. Come on. We'd love to have you here. Almost all these folks are super friendly. All right. I won't tell you the ones that aren't. All right. But that we become a place that, are, that is proclaiming hope to people where they are. And it's good for us as a church. But it's also good for the community. Because there are people who desperately need Jesus. Sometimes the way they need Jesus is food. And so they come to our church and we have a food pantry and we give them food. Sometimes what they desperately need is hope. And so they come to the church and they feel inspired by the music they get the sense of community, and all of a sudden that rough weekend that they had turned around because of the hope that we proclaim and that we share in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people come and they need friends, and they come and they meet some of the best friends that they'll ever have, people who will help walk them through life, and they need that. And sometimes people have been living far off from Jesus. They've tried every other way of happiness, and they've missed the path of joy. And so part of that joy they find in Jesus. So I'm going to invite us, what it would it look like if we were a generous, generous, generous people? Just real quickly, I want to tell you where we're at financially as a church because I feel that that's important. So within the first three months, we're a few thousand dollars down a month of where we were at last year. Now, our finance committee and our other leaders are not alarmed, but they're aware that this is happening. One of the primary reasons that this is happening is because we have had less people in church during January, February, and March of 2021 than we do in 2020. Um, in fact, we have had less giving families in 2021 than we did in 2020. So in 2020, we had about 200 giving families during the first three months. In 2021, we had 150. The great thing is that our generosity amongst our people has actually gone up significantly, but as you can see, there are significantly less people who have given. There are some of you who are just so faithful and so regular, you write your check, you put it in the mail, you give each and every Sunday. Um, it's an incredible and wonderful thing. There are some of you who regularly give online, and that's a great thing, but there's a lot of people who give when they are here. And I want to invite you to not just give when you are here, but to give generously because your church needs you and your community needs you in order to be doing that. If the average person in our congregation, and I'm going to say you guys are above average, so instead of 2.5%, I'm going to give you all 4%. What would happen if we doubled that to 8% and our budget doubled tomorrow? What would it look like? How many children could we teach about in the faith in brand new ways? How many groups could we start to help people who are struggling with all sorts of various addictions and all sorts of other things? How many people could we feed or keep lights on? You see, when we give, we all win. 
and we get to know that we make a difference in this world. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.